Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. And you've got an electric vehicle that you need to charge when you get home from work every night. That thing ain't gonna charge itself. Where's that power coming from? How many people out there have that brand new Ford Lightning truck, which is awesome, or the new EV Silverado? Very cool. How are you gonna power your car? So now you're gonna take, what, half of your generator power if you've got a big generator? Oh, no. And be charging your car for eight hours? That's a heck of a lot of propane things. Like- See, let's think about this for a minute. I look at that and go, this could be an issue. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you coming. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, your source for everything related to your home every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. You know, it was interesting. I don't know if you noticed a couple weeks ago of, you know, we've been dealing with snow out here in the in the Pacific Northwest. We've got more snow than we've had up in the mountains in 20 years. You guys, you know, a week or two ago got some weather. Those people got caught on the freeway for 24 hours. We figured it was a good time to talk a little bit about emergency preparedness inside your home if you're out traveling. So that way you're ready for the next time we get some crazy weather. And my friend was talking to me the other day. She called up and she said, look, you know, we just moved from San Francisco to Austin, Texas. And what do we do? What do we do with ice? Because they're not prepared. You know, if they have an ice storm, they're concerned that they may lose power for seven days. So just giving a few tips to people, you know, what do you do? How do you, how do you survive it? And so I think that'd be helpful. I just heard our Austin radio listeners boo us and say, why would your friend move here? Tell her to move back. That's mean. (laughs) Oh my goodness. They're a very friendly people. I think I saw, last time I drove into Texas, I saw a sign that said Californians were closed, head back. (laughs) But they are going to be getting some colder weather. Of course we do. They're going to be getting some colder weather We love you Californians too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, now you're playing catch up now. I see how it is. No, 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 no. We do. But it's just a common. It, I mean, it, it's like it's like rivalries in sports. <laughs> Californians and Texas Texans have been going up against each other for a while. This is nothing new. Oh, like my <laughs> Jets beat your Seahawks. Is that is that fair rivalry? When has that happened? <laughs> Never, but. It's still a rival. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think it even happened when Brett Favre was your quarterback. Hey, but, you know, we almost beat the Buccaneers. I mean, if we can do that, we could potentially beat Russell Wilson. It could happen. Yeah. So it's a yeah, dream. You couldn't even beat, you couldn't even beat the Buccaneers with, with a lead in Antonio Brown walking off the field. So. <laughs> well, I like She's that he took off his shirt. Now. I, I, I like the <laughs> shirt off. There you so, go. Whatever. Anyway, we'll we'll get back on track here. So, <laughs> yeah, 
getting your house, getting yourself ready, you know, for that disaster, for that storm is a big deal. You know, I've got myself pretty well dialed in just because I've been talking about this so long, you know, Mm -hmm. I've got backup power. I've got extra food. I've got extra water. Let's start going down the list of things that you should have. And a lot of this depends on where you're located and what your natural resources are around you. And also things that you can, you can do at home if you're not a a preparer. I mean, look, you have a lot of stuff, so you have to take it way down to people who, like, for example, my friend who moved to Austin, they're not ever used to having ice storms. So they were like, what do we do with the water? Which is a basic thing. So, okay, let's say you're going to get an ice storm and you're going to get freezing temperatures and no power. So what do you do with the water supply in your house? So you don't get pipes freezing. Cause that's the number one concern. No pipe break. Well, and in Texas, they have not really, through the years, done a great job of insulating pipes because the freezes mm-hmm. weren't that weren't that common over the years. You know, the first thing I say is is when you're planning for natural disasters like this, the first thing to do is think about what you need to do to sustain life. So food and water, right? First things. Correct. So I always say if you're living out in the desert, and you have no water to be had outside of what's coming out of your faucet, storing water makes a lot of sense. So for me, I've got water. I've got water everywhere around me. I've got big lakes that are blocks away. So for me, filtration is a better answer versus just storing water. Mm. And so for storing water, just to give people who may not have as much experience as we do, the tub is always a great place. So, you know, if you know you're going to get a storm, fill up a tub. You can fill up an igloo cooler, any kind of cooler. Make sure you always have drinking water. So, you know, I'm, I always say have at least a month's supply of drinking water, however you want to do that, bottled water, et cetera, liquid. Um, but those are types of things where you can store water easily. Tubs are great, you know. Yeah, a month is a lot to store for many people. Um that's a lot of water. I mean, you're going to fill up if you've got four people in the house, you're not going to fit that in the hall closet, if you know what I mean. So you've got well, to come I'm up with a place for that. Moderation drinking. Like, you know, I always tell people you're not going to, if they're, if you're lacking in water, you're not going to drink six bottles of water a day. So, you know, keep it on the down low, but make sure that you have some stockade supply. And like in my house, I mean, we've got bottled water if necessary and, and all kinds of stored water and, and drinking supplies and stuff. So, and it could last us yeah. a while. I mean, you're not going to be drinking 10 times a day, but you will have enough to survive for sure. Yeah. And if you've noticed with hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, it can take a week or two for real help mm-hmm. to show up. So that's the yes. thing. You need to have enough for to sustain yourself until you know a charity neighbors or the government shows up to help you and those are all things that can happen slowly depending on where you're located and talk for about food oh i was going to go back to water but you know talk about shutoffs and how people can sh- make sure you're shutting off your water in a freeze making sure that you're um keeping a drip in the faucet making sure there's covers on all your outside spigots all that kind of stuff. Yeah, is for, for freeze, um, the only time you should really be shutting that water off is if you already have a break and you're already losing tons of water. Then you need to shut water off. But until then, flowing water is going to be a better way to keep pipes from bursting than if you shut it off. 
So you want to keep it dripping, running. And what I want to see is not only just the cold water running, I want to see a little bit of the warm too. Because if you've got an uninsulated hot water pipe that is 30, 40 feet away from the from the water heater that's that's in a place where it could freeze, you know, in the wall or a crawl space, all of a sudden you want to have both water moving so that you can maybe keep that water going until it warms up. The other thing I want to see you do, keep the house nice and warm. Not the time to turn back the thermostat, keep the doors, cabinetry, <laughs> yeah, no. all those places open. If you've got the water heater out in the garage, for instance, make sure you keep that garage door closed. Maybe the door open out to the garage to make sure that's not freezing up. Make sure that you've got those things ready to go. That's the big key. And watch that water meter to make sure that you don't have a leak if it if it does break. Speaking that of keys. That gets expensive quick. The key. The yeah. key to your shutoff. How do you get that? So you want to have a, you know, depending on where your water meter is, some people in older homes will have them in their basement where they actually have to do it down there. But in most cases, that's either out in the yard or in the street. And you need a street key to go down and do that. And that's just the, it's a little, you know, depending on how deep it is, you know, if you're in the Midwest where you get really cold, that could be, that meter could be down three or four feet, six feet. I've seen them depending on where you're located. So you need to be able to get down there with this long pole that has this little forked metal thing in the bottom to be able to turn that off and on. Yeah, if you've got a broken pipe, shut it off, but leave it open. Open. Mm-hmm. You know, open until you think you've got a break so you don't have any more water damage going on, and that's one of the keys right there. Hey, when we come back, let's talk about food and what you can be doing with that, and as well as some power generation, because that does fit into that conversation. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk home improvement every single week. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, if you want to get a hold of Caroline and I, you can do that on just about every social media channel out there, except, jeez, uh, what do we don't do? We don't do TikTok. Other than that, we're on just about everything. TikTok. You should do a TikTok. That's hilarious. Nah, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Well, we've been talking about being prepared because we've seen so many things happen recently of, you know, of people, it's just like the people that were down, you know, I don't know if that was North Carolina or where they were, they were cruising along Highway 95 and they went on a road trip and didn't have water, didn't have food, didn't have snacks. Some people didn't have phone chargers for this road trip. Mm-mm. And... I don't know. To me, I've always been prepared on those. And I'm going to give you a little secret. And he's teaching me. Eric G tip. You're teaching me. I'm learning this episode because I'm like, obviously, I Thanks. do the wrong thing. I was not prepared. I don't know. Well, we all got to learn from someplace, right? Mm-hmm. All got to learn from someplace. Here's one thing that if you're stuck in that two-day traffic jam, first off, bring the food and water. Always have... 
you know, like a garbage bag or something so you can use the bathroom if you need to someplace. Have a roll of toilet paper in the back, you know. Let's be honest. Let's get the stuff that you can survive a little bit, almost like camping. I have a I have a duffel bag that I keep in my truck that has I have a porta potty. I've got all my stuff. I, I But that's good for football games. There you go. But here's the thing. Being a little prepared goes a long ways with that. And it just it shocks me that people will get in their car and go for a drive in a winter storm and not have any of it. So make sure you got the, you know, extra clothes, the the cords. If you get yourself in a bind and found out that you were not prepared for the situation, and yes, this does come down to you because you got in the car without the things you need. So one thing you can do is look around in the traffic around you. And if you're really hurting, like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten in 10 or 12 hours or I haven't eaten in this, go befriend one of your neighborly truck drivers. (laughs) Make friends. Those long haul truckers have got a week's worth of food in there. They've got water. They've got snacks. They are prepared to be on the road no matter what. And uh, if you're in dire need and you're in an emergency, go knock on that door and say, hey, can I buy a bottle of water from you? Most of the time, those folks are going to be pretty cool people. and They're going to give it to you anyway. But that's a that's a that's a really good idea. That's a great tip. Uh, it's just a good one. It's just it, those guys are really good people. They spend their time on the road and this stuff happens. I mean, geez, we had last week we had it here where road was shut down for two days. People got stuck on the other side well, of it. I just told you what happened yeah. to us in the Northeast. What t- Tell our audience what it is. So we got this mist that froze. And Eric has this great well, term for it, which I, I love. I think it's probably meteorological, but it's freezing fog. So it's a mist. Like, But you called it something else. You called it like fog. Well, it's freezing fog is what it is. Know, you had this good yeah, name freezing for it. fog. So that's what it is. It's fog that freezes. You called it something else. So I, I hear it, Colin. The other <laughs> one I hear, too, is uh, freezing drizzle. But really, it's a freezing fog is what it is. Yeah, it was like a mist, and it just froze on everything. And there were massive car pileups on, you know, the interstate and all over the turnpike. And so that's crazy. Yeah, we get it out here all the Dangerous. time. It's a common thing. We've we. Out in the in the Pacific Northwest, we get a lot of freezing rain, and that kind of falls into that ice storms kind of stuff. I mean, it was last year we had inch freezing and a half of freezing rain mist. at my house. Yeah, that, that makes for a bad day. Well, we were talking water and getting your water dialed in for in case of emergency. The other one is food, and I've got my – I don't have two weeks of dry food, but I've got – I could eat well for a week in dried food. And that's not getting into my pantry and stuff that I have here in the house, but I have about 10 days of backup meals for us, including the dogs. Yeah, that's what I have. I have two weeks. Mm, Oh, yeah. Don't forget about that. I have stuff for the pets, too. Otherwise, you're sharing your food. So make sure that you've got stuff for them. And that's a key there. Pet evac pack. Skip pet evac pack. It's the emergency pack for animals. It's got everything, food, water, supplies. You can just throw it on your back and That's go. good stuff. That's fantastic. So, you know, and, and there's a lot of other preppers out there that listen to the show. They're going to say that you need more, but I'm just trying to get people to understand the basics. 
Now, one other thing in case of emergency that I want to see if you've got natural gas, they've got the natural gas, you know, little wrench shutoff tool. Like in my area, mm-hmm. we are earthquake prone. So what you want to do is run down to your hardware store, get one of those, and zip tie it to your meter. So that way, if you have an earthquake, nice idea. You don't have to go looking for this thing. Going, ah, you know, I can't get the garage door open. Where is where it? is that thing? <laughs> you know, and you're trying to climb through a damaged building. You want to be able to just go out and shut it off now. In my area, it's even smarter to probably even put in one of those earthquake valves so when the earth starts shaking, it shuts the natural gas off immediately. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good plan. But here's the problem with that. Good plan. I like that. The problem is if we have a little tiny 4.1 earthquake, which happens from time to time, and there's no damage, it could be a week before the gas company makes it back out to inspect your system to turn it back on again. Oh, Because no. they want to look at it before they reset that switch. And if they got to do that to 50,000 people and they got half a dozen guys out doing it, it could be a week or two before somebody gets there. So that's the catch-22. Eric's breaking my bubble. All the things... That- Everything I thought I was supposed to do for preparedness, I'm wrong. (laughs) He's like telling me, I thought I was supposed to shut off the water. No. He's like saying no. Now it's like, oh, well, if you have the shutoff valve for gas, well, maybe not a good idea because you might not have gas for 10 days. You might not. You know, and we had an interesting one here with the ice storm this last year. You know, uh, a couple cities over is Oregon City, which is known as the end of the Oregon Trail. You know, if you played that video game as a kid, that's where you got dysentery every time, it seemed. But that's a whole other story. If what? you ever play the Oregon Trail what game? What game is that? Uh, no. was that? How old are you? It was what are you old doing? Little comp- what is that? Google it up. I played like Atari. Uh, they yeah. had it. So it was called Oregon Trail. So anyway, <laughs> that they had a problem there where the ice storm took out the power to the natural gas distribution center by their city. And so not only did they lose power, but they lost natural gas. So anybody that had a generator that was running on natural gas didn't have natural gas either. Hey, let's talk about that when we come back. We'll talk about generators just as soon as Around the House returns. And you're listening to Around the House with Eric G.
Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. We've been talking emergency preparedness and really trying to make sure that you've got the right tools to make sure that you can protect yourself, your house, your loved ones, and your property. Right? And Eric's telling me I should not be the one prepared, being the prepared, because I'm like prepared in the wrong way. Some things I'm good, but you think you know something. You got some stuff down. I got some. You've got some But I was stuff. like trained like you know, your parents tell you to do something and your grandparents do it and then you do it and you just think, hey, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I thought I was supposed to shut the water off. I didn't know. Bad. See, we, we all learn things, right? And that's the cool part of this. Now, one of the things that you got to be really careful with is generators because I have seen some crackpot ideas of people <laughs> trying to power their home with generators. Now, what I did is I've got a really nice uh, energizer generator and I've got the generator transfer switch. So I can actually drag that generator outside, plug it into the outside of my house, go inside and click the switches on the transfer switch. And now I'm powering the important circuits of my house that I want to mm -hmm. run. That is the nice way of doing it is having that transfer switches. And there's multiple ways to do those. What I don't like to see people do, and, and quite frankly, in full disclosure, I've done it this way, but it doesn't always go well, is backfeeding. No, that's bad. Your line. See, I know that's bad. So what people do is they go in. Yeah, it can mm -hmm. be. They go in, they click the main service off, and they better, because I don't want you killing people outside of your house that are out there to work on it. They come in, they turn the power off, so your house is now disconnected to the main power feed coming in. And then they create a situation where they have two male plugs. And this is where it gets dangerous. They basically have a backwards extension cord that goes into that circuit. And they call those suicide plugs for a reason. And they plug it in backwards and they power multiple circuits within their home and try to backfeed that line. Mm -hmm. Bad. And not my favorite way of doing things. And it's dangerous. And all it takes is for one person to trip yep. a kid or a pet. And you can easily have an electrical fire or somebody gets shocked or killed. So it's a tough way to go. This is not the place to cut corners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I've seen people you know, do it. Like when they're trying to be an emergency situation and they didn't have the generator plug on the exterior with the shut off with the separate panel, right? To run whatever you designate. Yep. So people do it as a, you know, emergency, but it's really bad on many fronts. And make sure that you're running that generator well away from the house because you don't need that carbon monoxide. Do not have it running in your garage. No. Do not have it running up against the garage in the carport or whatever else. Have yours exhausting. I have a special place for mine where it's out of the weather, but the exhaust is blowing out into the driveway. It's a really safe way to go. That generator is not going to be hurt by getting outside and getting in the weather, so don't worry about it. But really having that in a safe manner is how one, you're going to protect your house and two, you're not going to get anybody hurt. And that's what we really want to see that way. You don't freeze your house or overheat your house. If it's the summertime and you lose power, you know, 
many times you want that heating or that air conditioning cranking along, but really what you want to do is make sure that you have your food refrigerated yeah, and your water. Enough heat going in the house that you can that you can keep the pipes from freezing. And water if you have, have a well. Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, I've got well, so I've got to make sure that well Absolutely. Pump. And that's one of the keys there. So making sure that power is dialed in when in doubt, bring in that electrician so they can wire up that transfer switch correctly. And then uh, check your local building codes because some of the different ways that you can connect into your house with a generator are allowed and some aren't. There's a cool new switch out there that I wish our system here took. And what they do is they pull the meter off the meter base. Mm -hmm. This piece goes in that's like a spacer that has room for a plug and the meter goes on top of it. And it's a cool way to feed it. In my area, uh, the power company won't let you install that. So I think it probably interferes with their smart meters because we don't have meter readers here anymore. So it probably gets in the way of their smart meters and that's probably where the issue is. But that's where that key is. And just make sure you've got that dialed in and everybody's safe. Now, one of the other things that I I really want to talk about here, too, is making sure that when the power comes back on, (laughs) that you're good. One of the quickest ways, let's say you ran out of water, you're kind of hurting, and you've been pulling water out of your water heater. That water heater is a great storage tank. It'll hold 40, 50, 60, 80 gallons of water in it. If you've got an electric heater, I want to see you, if that's not filling up and you don't have water pressure, I want to make sure that the power's off to that and the gas is off to it if it's a gas one. Because that's how you're going to burn up that water heater. If there's not enough water in it, you'll burn it up and it'll overheat it and you'll be buying a new water heater. So let's not add a water heater to the list of things that you need inside your house. Unless it's a heat pump. Now, another thing that I think- Unless it's a heat pump water heater. No, It'll still burn it up. Really? If I have it on heat pump mode, you'll still burn it up because it's trying to transfer that heat. See, so you still want to be I careful. I tried to with trick them. So it didn't work. You tried. You tried. We didn't get there yet. So those are key ones right there. Now, other things, you start thinking about how do I charge my phone? I'm out of power. Maybe you've got a fireplace. Maybe you've got a generator. Maybe you don't have power. Maybe the generator's not working. Maybe you've got the fireplace going and you've got enough heat. You've got the barbecue out back. That's also a great place to to be able to cook food. How do I charge my phone? How do I create power? The cube. Well. I use the cube. Yeah. My cube lasts for three days. There you go. That works. Now, a lot of your power tool companies, Milwaukee, you know, DeWalt, All these guys have ways to take your drill battery and convert it to a USB so you can charge your phone from your power tools. Now, this is another one of the rules why I think that we should all keep our cars generally filled up with gasoline. Of course, that's the best. So you can charge your phone. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, no, seriously, I I have gone out in winter storms and gone out there and sat there and and charged my phone. Me too. Let it run, get warmed up, get cooled down, whatever it is. Make some phone calls. But many times when that's down, your internet's down, and guess what? It's hard to make a phone call out because the system gets completely overwhelmed. But if you had the Silverado EV, you could charge your whole house and your phone and live in your truck. Yeah. Let's talk about 
electric <laughs> vehicles for a minute with this. Because this brings a whole new problem. If you have five days without power, which I've had two or three times in my life. I have too. 12 days, 14 days. And you've got an electric vehicle that you need to charge when you get home from work every night. That thing ain't going to charge itself. <laughs> Where's that power coming from? How many people out there have that brand new Ford Lightning truck, which is awesome, or the new EV Silverado? Very cool. But how are you? How are you going to power your how car? Are you going? Oh no! So now you're going to take what half of your generator power if you've got a big generator? Oh no! And be charging your car for eight hours? That's a heck of a lot of propane tanks for me. That's the see. Cool. Let's think about this for a minute. I look at that and go, this could be an issue. How are you going to power that car when you don't have anything in your house to power it with for five days? We'll let you do a little bit on that. Talk more about that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hi everybody, I'm Ari Kamin from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B where today we've been talking about getting prepared, making sure you've got your house, your car ready for any natural disasters, storms, any of those things. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is lighting because so many people don't have a flashlight. They don't have alternative lighting sources until they can get that generator started or don't have a generator at all. And so how are they going to light things so you can safely get around the house? You need Big Larry. I have Big Larry in my bedroom with me at all times. This time. is a family show. Come on. Big Larry's in my bedroom. It's a flashlight <laughs> by Nebo. It's got bright, bright light. Hazard. Red, what, what do you call this? The hazard? The red? It blinks red. So for emergencies? That's Lady Red Light. Yes. What is it? <laughs> what you? Lady Red Light. But we'll no. talk about That's a whole other story. Oh, no. It's a flashing red flashlight. And then, uh, well, you've got, so you got Big Larry there. I've got a couple different ones from Coast that are little blind going to blind me. Wait, put I've it got, on. Let me see spots. Whoa. Yeah, that thing is... <laughs> crazy it's crazy right that thing is cool i like it uh i've also it's (laughs) cop right and then i've got uh probably four or five different lights that are within my milwaukee tools stuff so that's the cool part is i've got some milwaukee tool stuff so what are some good brands of flashlights obviously you know we're talking about the big larry nebo coast uh makes a whole bunch of great flash coast mag light there's there's a lot of different ones out there you know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of where I'm looking at it going, okay, this is really where I want, where I want to see you have a, I don't care if it's rechargeable. I don't care if it has batteries. Just make sure that you've got all of those things, right? Mm. That way you're good because otherwise if it's not charging and it's not, or it's not charged, it's not any good to you, right? No. And I think you should keep something in your bedroom. I do. Just because, you know, you get up, 
There's no power. You can't see, right? You're, it's in the middle of the night. So I just keep something right close by. Big Larry. I have something always on my nightstand. Mm-hmm. It's I've got the one of my big flashlights right there. That way, if I notice it goes out, I can go out and start the generator if I need to. Or if it's going to be a short power outage, I can do that. And how you about know? for cars? One of the things... Uh, you know, just to talk about cars a little bit, I like the tack pens. Mm-hmm. So I like where it's got something to break glass. You know, it may have obviously a pen in there so you can do things. Um, all kinds of stuff. I like my tack pen. It's in my car. Cool. Hey, if that works for you, that's great. Yeah, you want to have something. I like to have something that there's some great multi-tools that I like to have a little separately. I do like to have, you know, something that you can cut a seatbelt with, Mm -hmm. something that you can break the glass with. Uh, At the same time, I like to have a really good flashlight because for two reasons. One, if I am out working on changing a tire in the car, pulled over the side of the road, stopped in an accident, I want to be able to flash a flashlight that's very bright, like the one I was just using, at a driver to see that, hey, we're in the dark over here and you probably can't see us. Yeah. Good call. And th- and that's a key because you'll see the flash, you'll see the headlights coming. You can flash that flashlight at somebody and say, hey, I'm over here. Because if you're if you're in a car accident or you've got a stalled car, the flashers aren't working or, you know, of course the car is in a position where the, the battery's not working. You want to be able to really be able to give light to somebody to say, Hey, look at me over here. We've got a problem. Slow down. Don't run into us, especially if you're out in the lane. Now, one thing that I have set up with my family, because we're an earthquake country, so it's not like a hurricane or a tornado or even a wildfire, usually with those, you have some amount of warning. Maybe it's 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a week. With an earthquake, it just happens. And so we have set up places that are our meeting spots. Okay, if Julie's at work and we have an earthquake and I'm at the home office, where do we meet? If I'm at the radio station and she's home, where do we meet? What if we can't? Because we have, you That's know, what? they call this bridge city for a reason. We've got rivers that we have to cross that, you know, those things could happen. And I didn't even think about this until I got stuck or almost got stuck in Seattle when I was up there with our 7.0 earthquake we had up there. Mm. Actually, 6.9. It was a, and I was in the middle of the Gallup and Gertie Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Oy. And I had to try, I hurried back over that bridge because I knew it was going to be closed down for them to inspect it. Otherwise, I was going to spend another day on the other side. So I hurried back across because I was mid-span. I turned around and went back across, which was scary because I didn't know how structurally sound the bridge was. But you want to have those meeting places in case of a natural disaster like that of, okay, when in doubt, where are we meeting? Who's getting the kids? What's the plan? Mm-hmm. And have a couple scenarios for what are the common situations, right? Well, look at me. I mean, I got stuck in my office with a flood and nobody could get to me for two days. Yeah. So I was surrounded by water, yeah. like a moat. So in that case, I couldn't go anywhere, but then nobody could get to me anyway. So scary how these things happen. Yeah. And that was so quick. That was a flash flood that literally flooded everything in what, 45 minutes? Yeah. 
So that stuff happens. And so those are things that at least you could call out. The one thing I noticed with the earthquake. Yeah, I called you. Is that everybody got on the phone. <laughs> I called Eric when I was flooded. Like, Every- what's he going to do for me? I'm like, Eric, yeah. I'm flooded. Here, look at the video. <laughs> like, I'm stuck. Oh, you were 100% panicked. I was like, it's just you were 100% coming. Panicked. Well, I've never been in a flash flood. I've never seen water yeah. take over a building and surround my car and take my car and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. Lucky your car did not get hurt, no, though. That was the it cool was thing. Very so, cool. Yeah. But really, when it comes down to looking at this stuff, you know, the 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 cell phones, as soon as you have a big event like that, cell phones are done. You will not be able to get a hold of somebody for days. For me, this was back in what, 2000? 2001? Yeah. This is back then. And during that time, um, we cell phones were down in our area where I was at for Two days. You couldn't call out. You might get lucky and make one phone call out, but the the cell phone systems these days are still only designed for capacity of so many people using it. Not everybody trying to use it at the same time. Exactly. So that's one of those things to keep in mind. We had that issue. Like anything prepared, make sure you've got your medications. If you're going in a car and you're going to travel... You know, there's so many things you should be doing. Make sure you've got water. Do you have your medications for the week? Um, it's like when I'm going down to Florida, I'm going to make sure that I've got stuff that if I get stuck and I can't get back on the airplane, that I've got a plan B for that. Yes. It's you a know, whole different world. Make sure you've got all those plan Bs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is where survival mode has to come in. You know, for instance, I've got three or four different ways to cook food at the house. I've got my gas range. I've got two different barbecues. I have those barbecues or charcoal. I always make sure I've got plenty of charcoal. And if that runs out, I've got the fire pit that has a grate in it. Mm. So I've got multiple ways to cook things, cook water, boil water, all those things. And the water filtration system to, to, to hold it up. You've got some good stuff. That water filtration system that we've got is great. We've talked about it many times. Pure one. It's a filtration system that you could put, you know, rainwater or river water or lake water or whatever you wanted to use in through the filter. It does take pond pond scum. You could really want to test it. But you can put it into this filter. It does take a longer period of time because it is extensive filtration. You can get a bigger unit. Eric has one that sits on the sink that does a whole family where I have a pitcher. But either way, it, it provides you drinking water when you may not have it. When in doubt, be overprepared, and that's going to be the key to all this because I just want to see everybody be a little bit safer out there. You know, you can do things like get a generator. If you're in tornado area, you know, build a storm shelter where you can actually go down in the basement or go down into a outside shelter to build something. Think about the things that we've had to be involved with. I mean, just you and I combined, right? I've had to deal with 9-11 disaster. Yeah. I dealt with Hurricane Sandy. Yep. We just dealt with Hurricane Ida, yep. flash floods. I mean, this is in the New York metro area. So, I mean, no matter where, where you are, you're going to be dealing with something nowadays, it seems. Ice storm. Fires, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So just make sure that you're set to go. Well, you know what time it is, Caroline? I can hear the music spooling up in the background. That's it for this show. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the Consumer Electronics <gasps> Show, about some really cool such stuff cool coming stuff. up there. I'm such a geek. We're gonna, I'm like a tech geek. This is super exciting yep we're both going to be tech geeks on this one i'm eric g caroline b and you've been listening to around Around the the house. house
it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.